Welcome to another episode of the My Creative District podcast, where we discuss how to channel your creative power into building the life you want, building the business you want, and making the impact you want. We believe creatives can live out a passionate and fulfilled life when they completely embrace their unique design and purpose. Want to turn your passion into profit? Stay tuned to hear from industry professionals, paradigm shifters, and world changers who have done just that and live it every day. This is the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. All right. Hey, guys. Today, I am interviewing Steve Sims, and we will be discussing how he thought completely out of the box to become the modern day Wizard of Oz. And we'll get into that in just a second. But I want to remind you that my Creative District and Worldwide Dance Challenge has reopened enrollment into the Worldwide Dance Academy. If you know anyone that would be interested in learning how to dance from instructors across the world, have them visit WorldwideDanceChallenge.com slash academy to learn more. So, Steve, first of all, I just want to say big thank you for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much for having me. You know, I bumped into you at Travis Chappell's event, uh, BYN Live and heard this term, uh, the modern day Wizard of Oz, as people call you, and have been completely fascinated ever since with that term. So uh, we're going to get into that. But before, I kind of just want to set some context. What was the day in the life of the 15-year-old Steve Sims like when everything got started? (laughs) Very different from what it is now. Um, (laughs) 15 years old, I had left school, and um, I was living in a a uh, two-bedroom house uh, with my my parents. I don't know, may, maybe it was 2,000 square feet, maybe less. Tiny little place. Didn't know any different. You know, that we're talking about the 80s and 90s. Um, so, you know, didn't really have internet to uh, tell me how shit my life was. Um, and my dad would just kick me out of bed onto the building site. So I just thought that was it. You know, what else is there in life? And the only time you ever got to see anything that was more spectacular was when you were watching a Hollywood movie or maybe reading it in a magazine, which, you know, you, you thought could never happen to you. And, and so you said the building site. So what, what did your dad do for a living? So my dad, look, we're an Irish family, generations of construction workers. And so bricklayers, actually. So my dad owned a, a small firm, which consisted of his brother and my mum, And they would get other brickies and other uh, masonries and tilers and any other kind of uh, construction industry specialists he needed when they were building things. So we would do extensions. We would do houses we would do gardens garages every now and then we would do you know bigger bigger building work but predominantly I was a bricklayer and so if I wasn't being a laborer by getting them all of the supplies I was actually a trainee bricklayer how long did you do that for how long were you hanging out with your dad there oh yeah well that's a multiple answer I hung out with him for probably about eight months doing this now bearing in mind since the age of 12 every holiday summer Christmas and Easter I would work on the building site. It was just it's what happened. He would give me a few days off when, I, when I'd left school, a few days off to kind of like, you know, be free. And then bang, I was on the building site. So, you know, I never really had any holidays. And I remember in my entire youth, we went on holiday three times, two times to what they called holiday camps, wow. which were things you just laugh at now. Um, and once we did something crazy, Spain, uh, and we turned up in Spain and shared a house with other people. So I don't know how that found this place, but we never had any any kind of money or opulence. And so 
I worked with him for about eight months and the story is, is actually in the, in the book, but we've all got those pivotal moments. We've all got those moments that kind of like go, oh shit, if that hadn't have happened. And quite simply, I was, I was working on a building site one day and I walked up the ladder and I had what was called a hod, which was like this weird kind of um, triangulated bucket thing that sits on your shoulders and carries all the bricks in it. So, you know, busts up your back and shoulders. But I was a big lad, so I was traveling up the ladder with a pile of bricks on my shoulder. I get to the top of the ladder, and as I look down the scaffolding, the person closest to me was my dad. Then it was his brother. Then it was my brother's, you know, kids, so my cousins. And then it was my granddad, who was in his 80s. So the cousins were a bit older than me and I was always bullied by them. And I just suddenly saw my family tree. And worse still, I saw my future timeline. You know, my cousins were older than me. My dad was obviously older than me. Granddad was older than him. I just thought, this is it. I remembered. It's good job I didn't get a smack in the mouth. But I remember at tea break, I went into this old caravan we had on the building site and it was England. So it was pissing down with rain. It was cold. It was horrible. And everyone's trying to warm up in this caravan that just stinks of, you know, a bunch of wet paddies. I said to my granddad, 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 did you ever think you'd be doing this when, you're, when you were going to be this old? That's a very rude statement that deserves a smack in the mouth. He didn't even look at me, but he stopped sipping his tea for a second and he uttered the most pivotal words. He said to me, if you don't quit today, you'll be me tomorrow. Wow. I wow. was like, Damn. And it really, even at that age, and I was just coming up to, I think I'd maybe just got over 16 now. And I was like, you know, just took the wind out of me. Everything changed. The caravan was quiet, you know, in my head. And I came out, everyone left the, uh, the tea hut and uh, I ran up to dad and I was like, dad, dad, dad. And he's like, what is it? I was like, I, I, you go, I was in there and I walked up to Grand and I said to Grandad, do everything you're going to be doing this when you're... And he turned around and said, you don't look... I'm like, oh, I've got to quit. And my, as I said <laughs> that, my granddad walked behind me and looked at my dad. My dad looked at him and he went, we're shorthanded, you finish Friday. And I went, fine. And so wow. that was it. Now, I tried loads of other things and I went back to building every now and then because it was the only thing I really knew how to do to make money, but... Every time I got a job as a builder, it was literally like, how can I get out? How can I, how can I try? So that's how it happened. I worked for him for, for about eight months full time and then went on my journey of an entrepreneur, like every entrepreneur, of, um, you know, fuck up some mistakes and problems and, you know, doing stupid stuff and stuff that you're inadequate for and ill-educated for and, you know, the usual thing that entrepreneurs do. We get into a lot of stuff that we don't fit until we do. I want to hang out on that comment right there. We don't fit until we do. You leave your, your, your job as a bricklayer and you said you tried multiple things. So many times, especially creatives, they get this, they get this uh, idea that they have this vision of how they're going to fit into the project that they're working on, whether they're a dancer or a singer or whatever, it's going to go this way. If I'm a dancer, I'm going to dance for a recording artist and I need to go get representation and then I need to you know, book a couple of jobs. But Sometimes you can't figure out your own place until you get out and screw up a couple of times. So you go from bricklayer to then what's the next step for you to figure out where you fit? 
God, my next step from the brick lane, I think, was a, uh, a small truck driver. And then, yeah, it was a small truck driver for a British cake company called Lion's Cakes. You know, it was, it was like this, this brand that made all these kind of cookies and, you know, little cakes and stuff like that that, that lasted forever. I was a truck driver for them, a little, a little truck, you know, small, small trucks. And the salesman would be with me, would jump out, talk to the... Now, bear in mind, I'm a truck driver moving boxes. So I'm in a T-shirt and jeans and boots and gloves and that kind of thing. I'm the meathead that has to move stuff around. I'm the muscle. He, get this, is funny as hell when you look back to it. He's the suave in the suit. Now, bear in mind, at 6 o'clock in the morning, he's still got his ass in a dirty truck with me. But for some reason, I looked up to this guy that he had it made because he was in a suit. He didn't have to pick up the boxes. He just looked at, you know, Meathead and went, hey, you know, let's bring in 10 packs of biscuits, you know? And I would then have to, I thought that was the man that was made, you know? Because <laughs> he, he was always talking to the, the bosses of the corner shop and stuff. It's, it's funny what you idolize when you don't know. And then a couple of times that uh, he got sick and he couldn't make it. So I would turn up and I would start talking to him. And I'm thinking, oh, this is my chance. And then I got the job of being the salesman. I was able to communicate with people. People are absolutely shit at communicating. And believe it or not, we're getting, we're getting way worse at it. We're not only getting really bad at communicating, we're also getting terrified to communicate. Because holy oh, shit, yeah. what you say today is going to be videoed, is going to be on a podcast. And in six years' time, you're going to be vilified for it. You're going to be, I can't believe you said this word. I can't believe you had that opinion. I can't, you know, how many people are being... We're going back centuries now and accusing people of being ill-educated and wrong. They didn't know any better. It's not right. But you think we're any smarter today? We're going to be told what wipes we are in 10 years' time. So, you know, live with it and own it. But as I was younger and I was trying to look up to these different things, I found that I had the ability to be able to communicate. I was also ignorant. And my wife has always said, and that was my, my holy grail. I met her when she was 16 years old. Thankfully, I was 17. She's been my, she's been my North Star. She's been my GPS, my pinnacle forever. But That's awesome. I realized then, well, sorry, I realized a little bit later on because she said my superpower was ignorance. I wasn't wow. frightened of anything. So hmm. I would just go and do it. And so when I'd walk into a store... The first thing I do before I ever spoke to a guy in the, in the, the owned like the little supermarket or the corner shop, we never had big accounts. So these were all little kind of like, and predominantly in East London, Indians that owned these little corner shops. Yep. And the first thing I would do was I would always see the salesman go in there and go, Hey, how are you today? It's good to see you. How's the family? Right. What are we in the order for? And would allow them to make the decisions. Now this didn't make sense to me. Whenever I would go in there, I would always ignore the sale. I would always ignore the owner because nine times out of 10, they own the store. They're also behind the counter. And nine times out of 10, they're also serving someone. So what I would do was I would walk up and down the aisles. And then I would go up to and I'd say, hey, how you doing? I hope you're having a good time. You know, I would do the usual shit. But then from a position of education, I could say, I see your light on this. I see your light on that. Those aren't selling very well. So let's put those on sale. I also noticed this wasn't available. I don't supply that, but you may want to let your vendor know that you're getting low on Coca-Cola or something. 
And so I would give him an inventory check. Yeah. Yep. And I would also go, oh, by the way, Billy up the road is doing an offer on those loaves of bread at 50% less than yours. Just thought I'd let you know. I was having a conversation. And that worked very well for me. I went from the truck driving. I then tried selling insurance. Um, I was a door-to-door salesman for books. Can you imagine me knocking on your door at eight o'clock at night going, hey, you want a book? Um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, I was a doorman. I was a security guard. Um, you know, I did, I did all kinds of shit. I found it working on the door of a ropey nightclub in uh, Wang Chai, Hong Kong. Probably one of the roughest nightclubs. I was on the door. You said people don't know how to communicate with people anymore because they're, they're terrified. Um, and, and your superpower was ignorance. Um, I think that's really, really uh, powerful, actually. Do you think that because of today's technology, it works as a double, it's a double-edged sword, right? Where we're overly informed and therefore sometimes it feeds our fear so it doesn't allow us to take the steps that we should be taking. We're not overly informed. We're, over, we're overimposed. You are told this isn't right. And then you either make a stance and risk all of your followers on Facebook going away from you, or you go, yeah, I'm with the cause. Now, I believe voices need to be heard. I believe that, for argument's sake, Black Lives Matter today is a voice with great strength, great power, and we should solve that. But the woke uh, engagement, I'm sorry, I don't want to get on my millennial soapbox, but (laughs) <laughs> we started bitching at stuff that you just couldn't believe. I heard someone saying that they should boycott Harry Potter because of its um, uh, um, feminist and um, uh, sexist viewpoints. It's freaking Harry Potter, for Christ's sake. But so many people were out there at a time that we're already having trouble communicating for real because we don't. Yes. We put something on Twitter. And then that's it. When was the last time you walked over to your mate, knocked on the door and said, hey, Roger, I saw you come home. Let's go and have a beer. No one does that, you know? So, so many people are communicating badly and then they're trying to find a cause. Shutting down is not communication. It's running away. And I think we're getting scared to do it today. There's a couple of things. For a start, everyone is trying to focus on who they are. Don't. Don't care about it. Don't worry about it. Don't focus on it. Don't think about it, Okay. You said on there, creative and who they are. Well, those are two things, two different things. You said about me being a salesman. I actually think I'm a shit salesman. I don't have a filter. You've seen me speak. So you <laughs> yeah, know this yeah. is as good as it gets. All right? yeah. um, you're either going to find it great, engaging, or it's going to piss you off. And I, I, you know, I got, but that's fine. My goal is to make sure that I have no fences. You're on one or the other, and that's fine. That's good. If you walk away from me, we're going to be fine. But when you create something, stop thinking about how that's going to help you become who you want to be. The reason I became, and it's always frightening to say successful, but the reason I have created the success that I've got now, the comfort, the income, the money, uh, my persona, is because I never, ever, ever cared about me. Never. 
too ignorant and too stupid to do it. And you've seen mm. me and you said you'd paid attention to other podcasts and stuff that I've been on. Have you ever seen me not in a black T-shirt with a goatee, tattoos and piercings? No. Nope. Why? Because that's who I am. I'm not going to waste any energy on trying to be someone that I'm not. Never sell, always solve. And if you're that's creative, good. stop trying to create. And this is going to sound really stupid, telling the creator, stop create. Stop creating, start solving. So if you're an artist, you mentioned dance, okay? Yep, yep. One of my favorite shows, and I've always watched them on uh, YouTube as well, is uh, World of Dance, the one with J-Lo. Okay? Yep, yep. I like that show, but I also always used to watch the Red Bull breakdancing. Uh, um, shows yeah, Red Bull on BC YouTube. one. Yeah, and I'd love being in New York and being, and again, being the bouncer on the door. I would always be able to love uh, watching dancers and stuff. And I'm an '80s boy, so I was always around with the B boys and stuff. Yeah. When a dancer dances, they're evoking a trigger. The person that's watching them for a good performance is engaged and connected. You're almost sweating your ass off you know, engaged in the person that's performing. Yeah. The dancer doesn't dance for them. They dance to create an emotion, a trigger, a vibrance, create a story to engage the participant that quite simply can't do what they do. That's why you buy a piece of artwork, because you can't do it. They can. They can evoke the trigger. They can evoke the passion. So understand what are you creating and what problem does that solve? And then stop trying to brand yourself. Stop trying to create an ambience, an image, a persona. Solve a problem and everyone will flock to you. And when they do, you'll never have to worry about loyalty programs or reward perks. You never have to worry about that shit because you're a solver, not a seller. Man, I, I, I can, so I can just go on for days about that because I come from, you know, my, my entertainment backgrounds in, in, in dance and music, but my corporate background is in sales. And so I'm very familiar with the whole, you know, all the sales training, closing sales. And I'm a, so I'm totally against closing the sale. If you have to close the sale, in my opinion, did something wrong. But what you're talking about too, you said, don't worry about branding yourself. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about this. Basically go out and solve. Some people might say serve one of the two things, right? But you aren't saying this from theory yeah. because, because you did, this is what you did. You figured out a problem and you solved it. And it started by that nightclub. So let, let's, you know, from, from the nightclub, what did you learn about solving instead of selling? I never tried to create the world's leading experiential concierge firm. You know, I never tried to do that. We t people have these long-term, short-term, medium-term goals. My long-term, medium, and short-term goals are about 24 hours all combined. I'm always <laughs> working. You know, I'm, I want it, and I want it yesterday. That's my long-term. I want it now. I think um, all creatives are like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got this English bulldog that just bangs his head against the door to get through. And, you know, we open up the door. I swear he's still convinced he thinks it works. But my wife says that's my spirit animal. So, you know, that's just, that's just the way it is. We are the combination of the five people we hang out with. All of my friends are broke-ass bikers. 
must be a broadcast biker, you know? Didn't take too much to work that out. I'm not going to dump my friends, but I'm going to find a new circle. So I thought I need five rich people. How can I get a rich pe person to talk to me? Well, that's easy. What does a rich person need? And then I'll see if I can fill that. They wanted the best parties. I'm a doorman. I knew where all the nightclubs were. I knew when they were going to have a celebrity appearance. I knew when they were going to have a group of girls dancing on the bars. I knew. All so I went to these guys going, hey, what are you doing in two nights time? And they were like, well, you, are you going to uh, Jimmy's? Should we? I'll be like, well, I know a guy that can help you out. Do you want me to see if I can get you on the guest list? They'll be like, yeah, great. And I noticed something quickly, and we've all been in this situation. If they don't pay, they don't pay attention. So once I had that got is them- so true. Damn right, it's true. Once I had loaded this with, you know, do you want to go to Jimmy's on Thursday? I'd say, let me make a call. I would go back to the front door of the club and just stand there for 15 minutes. I didn't have a phone, you know? And then I would walk back to them and I'd be like, all right, yeah, I pulled it off. It's, uh, I've got to make sure the guys are okay. So it's a hundred bucks each. And they would just start loading up the hundred bucks. Now, here's the thing. If you think I'm you know, full of it, fine. But ask yourself this. When was the last time you had tickets to something and you gave them to your mate because you couldn't make it? And then you see your mate a couple of weeks later and you go, oh, how was it? And they turn around and they go, oh, something came up. I couldn't make it. You've just wasted your tickets, you know? But if you'd have charged him 50% of the ticket price, just so that he was committed, I bet you for shit he would have been there. Yep. See, you give something to someone for free, what's its value? Bingo. Zero. So I always charged, and I would start charging 100 bucks, and then I would start charging 500 bucks, and then I would start charging $1,000. Eventually, I started finding clubs that were like really dull on like a Tuesday night. And I'd be like, right, okay, this is my club for tonight. You get to keep the bar, you know? And they'd be like, yeah. And then I would go back to all of the people that I'd already started dealing with and make sure the hot bartenders and the hot girls were there and all that. And I would start doing my own club promotion on the dull nights. How would you give somebody uh, advice that maybe has a, a, a skill? Maybe it's, you know, music or whatever. And they've got these different ideas on how they could serve it. How, how do they go out and start testing the market, so to speak, to see if there's a, a, a problem that needs to be solved with what they have? So today, thankfully, because of the social platforms that we've got, it's never been easier to do it. Dan Fleischman says you can launch any business within two minutes and you can walk away from one in just the same amount of time. So whenever I do anything, I literally go online and I put it out there and I go, hey, has anyone ever had a problem with this? Does anybody like this? Let's even pick on your website. If you're trying to do a website... Whose opinion matters, yours or the people looking at it? Right, the people looking at okay. it. Okay. But who's usually the person that's approving it along the way and then ends up paying for it? <laughs> the person. Yeah, the wrong fucking person. <laughs> yeah. So if, you're, if you've got a designer designing a website for you, get four of your favorites. And I don't care which one you love stick them online and say, hey, I'm trying to put out a new website. Here are four of my options. Which one do you like? You know, and just leave it at that. Don't explain it. Don't describe it. 
because you want that gut reaction. Oh, I don't like the pink. Oh, I love the blue. Oh, I don't like the green. I love the red. Okay. Get their opinion. If you're all up for the pink and red gets the buzzer, which one do you go for? Right. Whatever. Now you've got an edge. So if you're a musician, do a rift. Put it up on there going, hey, I'm playing with a new. Don't give them the whole song. Give them the rift. I go, hey, I just, I just stumbled on this rift I was playing with, and I'm trying to feed it into a whole chorus or into a whole tune. What do you think? Bang. You know, what's your opinion? You know? And then look, and if it's all your best mates that are responding, ignore them. Okay? Because your best mate's never going to say anything bad about you. So look at those people that you don't really know, and then even interact with them and go, hey, I've never seen you step up on my, on my feed before, but this this caught you? Did, did you like it? What did you like about it? You know, have a freaking conversation with the people that are paying attention to you. That goes and right back to your start... communication thing. Bingo, bingo. And, and even turn around and go, look, you know, I've got some caps coming out. You know, if, if, if you want to get involved, I'll be sending out a cap. Your liability, and this is what I really focus on. I focus on uh, low effort. I know it sounds funny, but I focus on low effort and low risk. If you can have both of those working well with each other, you're doing good. The low effort is, I'm not going to try and turn up as anyone other than me. That's my low effort for a start. The low risk is I'm only going to turn up with what I can provide. Have you ever sat back and thought, this started because I took a job at a nightclub because of something I needed to do, not something I wanted to do? And what has that reflection actually taught you when you've looked back at those moments well the first issue we have today is we look for we look for finite we look for finale um always like you said how can a creator create well let's be blunt a creator never stops creating they may they may stop doing it at a certain level sure. but you know i used to do kickboxing I race motorcycles now. Um, I've done so many different things, but even the academia, the Galleria, you know, when I pulled that off, could have been a couple of other things that I could have done that could have just taken it into another level. Nine times out of 10, the creator can always see a way that they could have improved. And that never ends because perfection, as I always say, is a unicorn with blue testicles. It doesn't exist. <laughs> and so we're constantly trying to, uh, better ourselves. So I sit here now and I'm in a constant state of awe. You know, I've worked with the richest, most powerful people that you've never heard of. I've worked with clients that own things like countries and they're my clients. I, I literally look through the world's rich list every year and just can see my clients sitting on there and the clients that are richer but have managed to hide the money so they don't pop up on the list. Oh, interesting. So I'm seeing all of that. And then my book comes out, Bluefish in the Art of Making Things Happen. And it takes me from this, this, this unknown janitor in Florence to all of a sudden speaking on stages all over the world and coaching. And I have a private Facebook group called An Entrepreneur's Advantage with Steve Sims. It's free of charge for anyone. Um, and all of a sudden, I've got thousands upon thousands of people that are now kind of like asking me things and communicating with me. And it's crazy because I still, I don't see myself as the doorman. 
I still see myself as that 15-year-old kid sat in front of my granddad asking him an insulting question. That was my, if I had not asked him that question, would I still be in, in England getting rained on, working on the building site, moaning about my life? That book is really all about the art of communication, really. I heard at one point you said that you never thought that you'd write a book. But what was, what was, the, what was, the, what was the tipping point for you that said, you know what, this information I need to put out there and I need to make sure that everybody has access to it? So there were two tipping points um, that'll make you laugh. One of them was to piss my kids off. Um, because my kids know that I'm just a, you know, I, I'm, I'm just this Neanderthal that rides around on motorbikes and just, just does things. Um, so your kids, your kids are never impressed with you. Your kids are never in awe of you. And so I got asked to write a book and my kids will, will tell you, and anyone that's ever got an email from me will tell you, I can't spell for shit. Um, I really can't. Um, so the idea of me writing a book is just hysterical. You know, I wanted to piss my kids off. The dad was now an author. Um, the other tipping point was that I had a very good friend of mine, Jay Abraham, who's pretty good at pretty much everything, help me construct the front end payment for the book. And to say that I got a ridiculous advance is an understatement. Um, so I had no liability if it sucked. And I only wanted to do it to piss off my kids. As soon as I had both of those, those things there, I was very relaxed. But on my website is on the front page is a video from Cole and Sonia Hatter that do, that do uh, Thrive, a big annual event in Vegas. I, I was asked to do a book launch by my publisher and they wanted me to go down to the local Barnes and Noble with a, with a glass of a bottle of champagne and people could drink champagne and I would sign copies of the book. And I thought, who's going to walk up to me and ask me to sign a copy of that book? You know, that's just ridiculous. They've never heard of me. They don't know who I am. So what I did was they sent me um, a check for two and a half thousand dollars for the champagne. So what I did was there's this bar called the Everly on, and it's a whiskey bar on Hollywood. And um, I just phoned him up and I said, look, I'm going to invite my friends. I'll give you a two and a half grand check. When it runs out, kick us out. And so I invited all my friends. So I had like Jim Quick, Tom Bilyeu, um, Caleb Maddox, Cole Hatter, Greg Reed. I had anyone that was anyone in the area that you know, knew me come in and we just got shit faced. And what I didn't realize was that Sonia actually recorded it and made a beautiful video out of it that is me just getting more drunk as the night goes on. And at the beginning of it, the beginning of it, there's all these people like Greg Reed going, it's an honor to be with you, Stephen, to celebrate this momentous day. And by the end of it, it's like, Steve's a fucking idiot. You're anti-Europe, he can't even write. So we, we posted it up. We posted this video up online and on the first month, I think we sold like 400 copies. And then the following month, I think we sold maybe another 400 copies. And it just went dink, straight. And it's, it actually just got released in Poland. And it sold out all its Polish printed copies in one day. So, wow. yeah, it's in Vietnam. It's in uh, Mandarin Chinese. It's in Thai. Uh, it's in um, uh, Japanese. 
what else is it going in? It's being trans. It's being translated now for Russian. Um, so it's just gone all over the world. So I'm just in awe of, of how these things have happened, and uh, it just constantly makes me smile. There's not a day that I don't get up, you know, drink my coffee, kick the dog out, and just look around and going, yeah, you know, me and you sitting here today, just chilling. You know, I, I'm in awe of it. I really am. Yeah, it's it, you. You said something that I, you know, we we could sit and chat. I could chat for you with you for hours about all this stuff. But one of the things that you said that when you're talking about writing your book, that I think is really critical to anything being created, is you said, "I had the biggest things that were causing me stress out of the way, and I was relaxed. And yeah. out of that relaxation came the book, right?" And I think too many times because depending on, you know, depending on their personality, but a lot of times we try to do it a certain way. We try to compare ourselves to this person or compare ourselves to that person. And it's got to look like this and it's got to look like that. And so, like you said, you know, you weren't good at spelling. So how can a guy like me write a book when I can't spell? And we worry about all this stuff and really stress, worry, and fear a lot of times cripples the creativity, the creative process. And you were like, listen, I had no, and that's probably also why you were so successful in creating the events. You didn't have the stress of whether this was going to work or not. You already pre-sold the event. So you knew it was going to work. So you could create the event out of the fact that you were relaxed. How important do you think that is to the creative process and why? Well, the why you've just answered. Um, too many people, for start, people look for obstacles. You know, if people are doing well, they will actually look for something to worry about. Um, not me, um, but most people. So as someone that, first of all, understands that they are a creative and not an analytical mentality, um, they need to be able to create from a, uh, from a place of um, uh, ease. Now, funny enough, a lot of creation can be done when you're in an anxiety or when you're in an overstate of emotion, yep. but two emotions don't want to be combined. You may be in a state of, you know, like euphoria or panic, but when you've got euphoria and panic together, that's not a good cocktail. Yep. So usually the creation can come from when you've got one overriding emotion, but 90% of the time it's when you're at a point of ease and your mind just allows to bloom. One last question for you is, is if you were to, if you were to give, you know, somebody that is, that has been sitting there overanalyzing everything and they, they need to step out of their comfort zone, they need to go do it. What would, what would you say is like the top one or two points that you would give to somebody that, that needs to overcome fear and, uh, and, and step outside of their comfort zone? So I had a couple ask me if I could communicate with the Vatican and get married by the Pope. Okay. Now I got that contact and I was sitting here in Los Angeles. The first thing I did when I hung up on that call was I phoned someone in Italy. Why would I phone someone in Italy? Because phoning someone in Miami was a complete waste of time. How would someone in Miami, Florida know someone in the Vatican? Surely someone in Italy would be closer. The bottom line of it is anytime I'm going to do anything, Anytime within the first 30 minutes, I take the first step. So if I'm going to go on a diet, you know, and I decide now, hey, I'm going to go on a diet, I'm going to walk into my room 
and I'm going to eat a banana or I'm going to throw away that pack of biscuits. So it won't tempt me. If I'm going to learn Russian, then the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up a book and I'm going to read the first page. I always do one thing. I collect motorcycles. There was this motorcycle I'd wanted for absolute forever, but was well out of my price range. The first moment I decided I was going to buy it, I went on eBay and I ordered the original key fob for that motorbike. And now it sits on the bike. So I always do the first thing that's going to get me to where I'd be because no one falls onto the top of Everest. You get there from climbing up one by one by one. So that's what you've got to do. So if you're thinking of starting a business, tell people you're going to start a business. If you're thinking of uh, creating some movement, create the movement by telling people you want to create a movement and would they want to be part of it. You know, start doing something that creates momentum. Yeah, and that's so true. I know that what, you know, when we did the, when we started the Worldwide Dance Challenge with this, this global dance challenge, you know, I didn't even know how to do it. Like, I just knew that this is what we needed to do. You, you talk about solving a problem. We knew that we needed to solve a problem with bringing dancers from all over the world that couldn't afford to go to World of Dance. I'm a big fan of World of Dance and So You Think You Can Dance. I've got plenty of friends that have been on that show, but I also know how many people make that show. And I know how many people can't make the show because they can't afford to get there or whatever they the deal yeah. is. And so... That was, that was it. Me and a, my business partner had a conversation in 45 minutes. We had a plan, but if you would have asked me how, I, I'm not sure how. I just knew that we needed to put it online. So I started with a piece of software that I thought was going to work and we put the first one out there. It was crap. Um, we had a bunch of people show up, but to your point, like you can't know how to take the next step until you take the first one. You don't well, know everything how to you do. Everything you do. The first time you do it is shit. That's a, that's a simple fact. Whether you're doing a podcast, whether you're doing a dance move, whether you're knocking up dinner tonight, if you've never done it before, compared to how it will be once you've done it 10 times or 20 times or 50 times, you'll go back and realize that the first time you did it, it was shit. Once you've given yourself permission to be shit, you can start going. And you can't, as Ari myself says to me, get going, then get good. But it doesn't yeah. work in reverse. Well, listen, Steve, uh, I, I really appreciate this conversation. Like I said, we could go on for hours. But uh, if you want more information about what Steve Sims is up to, you can make sure and check out uh, the links to his book, his course that he mentioned on this podcast in the show notes. But Steve, if they want to connect with you on social media or where else, what's the best way that they can do that? Well, I gave it to you earlier. It's free of charge, but join my group where I have chats with everyone called an entrepreneur's advantage with Steve Sims. You know, they can stare at what I'm up to on Instagram under Steve D Sims, but really to be able to interact and grow and to give yourself a safe place, get over to an entrepreneur's advantage with Steve Sims Facebook page. Perfect. We'll make sure and link that in the show notes. And once again, Steve, I really appreciate this. It was an honor. It was a fantastic conversation. I know it's going to add a ton of value. So once again, thank you. Cheers, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of the My Creative District podcast with your host, Jesse Paul Smith. Here, we turn your passion into profit. Follow us on Facebook and stay tuned for another episode of the My Creative District podcast.